Welcome into Opportunity Detroit, brought to you by Rocket Mortgage. On today's show, we'll tell you all about the relaunch of Avalon International Breads on Canfield. We'll introduce you to a fitness expert who has some common sense exercise and nutrition advice. We'll congratulate the DIA on another big award, and we'll learn about Rocket Mortgage's Golf and Give program. A great show about what's happening in the D coming up right after these messages. Welcome into Opportunity Detroit, brought to you by Rocket Mortgage. We're kicking off today's show with Jackie Victor, the CEO of Avalon International Breads. Jackie, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. So you've reopened. You're in a new spot in Detroit on Canfield. How is it going? It's really going great, I have to say. Um, you know, leaving our beloved home at, at Willis after 25 years was super painful decision, even if it was necessary. Um, and I, but I just, I honestly didn't expect that it would feel so good so quickly. Yeah, we're really thrilled with it. And so far, the feedback from the uh, from the customers is that people are really loving it. Tell us a little bit more about this current spot. Where is it and, you know, what does it look like? That kind of thing, Jackie. Yeah. So it's literally a block away from us. You walk through the alley on Willis to Canfield and you're there. It's uh, right next to Shinola and Third Man Records and Bon Bon Bon, that whole um, and it's a, it's the space is a large space It's Jolly Pumpkin, who is our partners, our neighbors and our friends. Um, and it's a, you know, instead of six seats, now there's 90. We never had a kitchen. We were, you know, scurrying around making breakfast sandwiches and all sorts of different ways to make it, to try to make efficiency. And now we actually have a kitchen. Um, so you walk in and you see the little kind of miniature version of the Avalon counter with our familiar wooden counter that actually we were salvaged from the downtown YWCA back in 97. Oh. Um, that was an old bowling alley. And um, some of the iconic uh, signage. And, and it, it feels like Avalon kind of shrunk down a little bit but in a bigger space. So you'll, people are finding the the really favorite products of Avalon, of course, our sea salt cookies, our scones, our vegan muffins. And, but then also what's really exciting that we're doing is we are, the whole idea of collaboration with Jolly Pumpkin really was <clears throat> embraced by the community. And we started thinking, wouldn't it be cool if after 25 years, we also start featuring and highlighting and partnering with other emerging small bakeries. And so we have Walter Pats and Detroit Cakes and Bakes and some other small bakeries that are emerging and we're actually curating some of the some of their favorite products as well. So it's kind of we're calling it kind of like a baker's marketplace. That is a really interesting concept. How did you come up with that? Well, in in our new business model, we are we shrunk. We have a we had a huge fifty thousand square foot bakehouse on the east side that we're selling. We're shrinking down into a five thousand square foot space, and we're we are really reducing our, our product line to just those products that were the favorites, at least for now. And but we didn't want to reduce our opportunities for our customers, and also to be honest. We're limited in some ways by 
the, the scale of, of what we produce in terms of, you know, innovating really regularly. And, you know, we, you can't, not, not one bakery can make everything. Sure. And so this just seemed like a great way of featuring different products we'd never made, things we never had imagined, but also there's these wonderful women, um, April Anderson, Warren um, Ellis, who have started these amazing sort of smaller scale bakeries, and they were really excited at this idea too. So they get to do what they do best, which is make it, and then we get to sell it, you know, as part of our 25-year brand, and then that will help them grow, and who knows, maybe they'll, you know, they'll end up with storefronts right down the street from us too, which is also great, you know. It really is about building a community of small businesses and a community of high-quality food businesses in Detroit. And um, that mission, we've never faltered on. I see great potential here, too, for cross-promotion and cross-marketing, Jackie Victor. Absolutely. Absolutely, totally, with Jolly Pumpkin, with these small bakeries, and even with the the other bakeries on the block, we still are good friends with Flo, um, which is a wonderful clothing store next just next to the old space, and so we'll continue, we'll you know make sure we continue the collaboration with her as well. Um, yeah, so it's really exciting, and I mean the other really great thing is I think all of us that loved the Willis space so much. There's certain things we just got used to. And one of them was that there's basically no seating. I mean, since COVID, there's basically six seats. And it was fun to sit there, but then you felt like bad because what if other people wanted to sit down or often you just, you couldn't sit. Well, now we have 90 seats. So people are just showing up there going for meetings. I'm having meetings there, just having coffee with people where I I didn't before because I didn't want to take up the seats. And it's really leisurely and it's lovely and it's full of light and the space is in great shape. So that's something I didn't really appreciate as much. And I think other customers did too. Like we just didn't realize we were making, it's like, you know, have an old funky historic house that has these creeks and you just learn to live with it and you love it for that. But Sometimes it's time to to make a change, and I'm excited to be able to make this a gathering space for larger numbers of people at one time. And it's really, it really is a lot of fun. Talk to us a little bit about the history of Avalon International Breads. How did you get started in this business 25 plus years ago? Well, it is one of my favorite subjects, so you'll just have to (laughs) stop me if I go on too long. But I'll try to keep it short. Um... About 26 years ago, the co-founder of Avalon and myself, we wanted to start a business in Detroit that, in a in a word, we used to say would uh, do good. So uh, focusing on three bottom lines, earth, community, and employees. And this is before Whole Foods was promoting triple bottom lines and this kind of thing. And frankly, people thought we were a little crazy. But we loved the neighborhood of what was then called the Cass Corridor. <clears throat> we just saw it had tons of potential, but also just had great people there, really diverse people who lived there and worked there and visited there. And where other people thought, as our landlord said, that the neighborhood wasn't ready for windows because the space we had didn't even have windows when we got there. We saw a community that was literally hungry for high quality food and also for a kind of customer service that frankly wasn't so common at that time of really being 
accessible and embracing of lots of different kinds of people. And that really was our absolute bottom line is it, our customer service mission was to provide an oasis of healing and compassion in a world that is sorely in need. And in 97, that neighborhood did have a lot of unmet needs and there was a lot of homelessness, a lot of vacant buildings. And to us, it wasn't a sign of hopelessness. It was really a sign of it was a community that needed some love sure. and had a lot of love to give. So that's how it all started. But instead of what we thought, which we would be doing 98% of our baking and, and delivering up in, in the suburbs, from the day we opened, there was retail lines out the door. And so that was the beginning of when we realized we really had tapped into something. And it was really, it's just been a great home for us and a great community for 25 years. I think the interesting part of the story, the most interesting part of the story, is that you started this before Detroit was kind of a hot spot for entrepreneurs. I mean, you believed in the area and you said, we're going to give this a try. That's impressive. Well, it is It is really interesting. I mean, what where other people just, People have said to us, oh, this was so courageous of you. And it's funny because we just never thought for a minute that it wouldn't work. We just always sort of envisioned it working, actually not even as well as it did work. Um, and, and then, you know, to our delight, there was a cash quarter food co-op was there, um, which le- left a few years later um, and, and is now actually finally reopening up on the north end, which is super exciting. But um, one by one, little businesses started to open, and it really became a beautiful community of small businesses that then spread to now hundreds of businesses and tens of thousands of new residential um, develop, you know, uh, units. And, um, and, of course, the cultural center has just taken off as well. So it's, it's been a great ride and, and really, honestly, for me, the privilege of a lifetime. And now it turns out you're in an absolutely wonderful spot in the city where all kinds of businesses are springing up. What kind of advice do you have, Jackie Victor, for young people, entrepreneurs who want to do business in the city of Detroit, want to start something new? Well, the first thing that came to my mind was uh, advice that someone gave me very early on, which was, listen, get to people who are good, really good and listen to them. And one is your accountant. And one is your lawyer. Don't have to spend a gazillion dollars, but you need to make sure that you're legit and you're following the laws. That is very, very important. The other thing is I would really say is people write a business plan and, and, and maybe they make too big of a deal out of it or maybe it's perfunctory. But for us, writing a business plan really was not a process of documenting what we wanted to have happen. It really was creating a vision of what we wanted, and then an opportunity to poke holes in it. So really a good business plan. You have to do your due diligence, not in order to justify what you're going to do, but to make sure that there is really, there has to be a need, either real or perceived, for the product and or the services that you're providing. So that's really, really important. And yes, partly for the banks, but banks are responding in part at least to the homework that you've done. The third thing I think one of the reasons why we, and it was a very different time, but why we, I think, were so successful out of the gate is we both had, Anna and I had both been community organizers and really involved in the community. And so from the very beginning, 
we created way before the internet, way be- I mean, way before social media, way before any of that. We create, we reached out to our natural community of support and engaged them in it. So we sold pre-sales of, of bread and then people came and so we had our initial fundraising that way. It's kind of like crowdsourcing. Kind of like a trial, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, or just, they, but people gave, like bought pre-sales even before we baked bread and then they came and they redeemed them we, we raised our first six thousand dollars that way so really i think being engaged in the community and in, and involving the community and so other people are invested in your success whether it's five dollars or five hundred dollars i do think there's something about inviting people to be part of what you're doing and then other people have skin in the game but at the end of the day you have to make sure that your customers are the focus of everything you do. So we thought at the beginning we were just going to make bread. But then people were like, you girls going to make sweets? And we're like, ooh, we better make sweets. So we started to make sweets. And you can't be everything for everybody, but your customers are you're really there for your customers. And you have to make sure that you're listening. Probably my favorite part about running a business, which is really weird, I mean, I love customer service, but my favorite part about running a business is handling customer complaints. Because I learned 22 years ago from one of our competitors and, and mentors, Zingerman's in Ann Arbor, this wonderful process for handling customer complaints. And what I learned is that with humility and compassion and real sincerity and gratitude for people who come to you with their concerns or their complaints, they are our best teachers. And so I, I've tr- taught that to generations of our customer service people. You make your job a lot more fun. Jackie Victor, CEO of Avalon International Breads. Thank you for the great advice today. We really appreciate it. And all the best with this new spot in Detroit on Canfield. Thank you so much for the opportunity. It was really fun. You are listening to Opportunity Detroit. We'll be back right after these messages. You are listening to Opportunity Detroit. If you're a big-time athlete or just a weekend exerciser, check out this interview with Joe Curry and Mark Hollis. It's a challenge sometimes to motivate yourself in, in those areas. What, what advice do you give to athletes or executives uh, on the core principles, the core verticals that you should really focus on in order to have a healthy lifestyle? I, most people get caught up in this uh, all-or-nothing mentality or in shooting for perfect. I tell people beyond anything else, the most important thing you can do is create consistency. It doesn't have to be perfect. It has to it consistency will over the long haul will be the thing to keep you on track, get you where you want to go and uh, determining your goal. So if you determine your goal, it's important to dig a little deeper and, and figure out why, why do I, why is that goal important to me? Um, so I'll have, often have people uh, work through a, um, you're probably familiar with this in all your work, um, the five whys exercise where you, you know, you determine a goal and then you dig a little deeper. Why is that important to me? And then just keep asking yourself that question. And it really gets down deep into your uh, goals, your priorities and values. And then that helps people figure out, determine their path. You know, it's interesting when you're talking about um, a lifestyle of consistency. Uh, I spent time, five years working for Judd Heathcote, the former basketball coach at Michigan State. Mm-hmm. He used the word moderation. It was right. uh, do things in moderation. Like, it's okay to have a chocolate shake 
just not every day, just yeah. not every hour, or or a cheeseburger, just not every day. Um, yeah. Maybe some ba- listening to both of you. Maybe it's balance in your life, um, that consistent balance of healthy, the moderation of things that maybe uh, we enjoy but might not be on the uh, the health spectrum. Yeah, it, it's it's really about setting your environment up for success um, and being mindful and like. So talking like like Judd was saying, um, people get very caught up in, in identifying food. Well, this is good and this is bad, and they get very caught up in that restrictive thought process. Um, I I just help people. I'm, I tell them be mindful of what you're doing, and if you have a goal, um, I provide them with like a, a general idea of what, what to eat more of, what to eat some of, and what to eat less. And and everybody likes pizza. I mean, I I, I love pizza, but. I realize that it's, you know, it's an occasional thing. It's in my eat less category. I don't, I don't attach guilt to it. I don't, I enjoy it when it's there. And then then I get back on track and make sure that I'm making choices that are consistent with my goal. And uh, I, a principle that really helps me a lot is, and I, if you, uh, I learned this recently is if you have a goal and, and you're, you're doing things that are consistent with your goal then you get off track. Maybe you you know go out and enjoy a nice dinner and some dessert or some indulgence or whatever. Um, the concept is never miss twice. So if you enjoy that, and then then next the next move you make should be back on track so that you don't create start to head down a path that you know might take you in a direction away from your goal. So um, just being mindful of it is and is, is one of the greatest things people can do. We all know about the four uh, food groups. For me, it's five. It's it's popcorn with butter, salt, and peanut M and M's every <laughs> every night. Um, we we think about nutrition. We think about exercise and and balancing those two. Sleep. How important is sleep practice to your 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 everyday well being? Well, I know you and I had conversations about this recently because you're uh, you know it it's I can't tell you how important sleep is. I, I could make a whole segment about this. Um, a lot of people are sleep deprived uh, in terms of uh, quality and quantity. Um, and I, it, sleep is for uh, athletes performance and for everybody, everybody else's uh, everyday health and performance is highly underrated. And if, if they wanted to step up their game, that would be a great place to start because it affects everything. Uh, sleep affects food choices. Food choices affect energy level. Energy level affects activity level. And it just, I mean, all the things that take place during quality sleep to regenerate your body and everything, it's, I can't emphasize how big of a deal that is. And a lot of people take a reactive approach to it. They, like, okay, I'll, I got to get this done and this done and this done. Okay, all right, that's all done. I'm going to go to sleep. Um, you talk about consistency. Uh, I'm talking with Joe Big Curry. Time. You talk about consistency. How do you instill consistency in sleep? It's it's like you know I've got one of those minds that that races, and it's it's difficult. Uh, once I sleep, I sleep hard, uh, but I usually wake up, you know, pretty early and and ready to go. It's how do you create consistency that you're getting the sleep that you need in order for your body to function. Um taking a proactive approach to it, uh, opposed to what I uh, was talking about a moment ago. Uh, I, I help people when I do that, uh, establishing a pre-bed routine and where 
they'll set an alarm like 30 minutes or 40 minutes or whatever they're, you know, whatever is the necessary time frame, and set an alarm to start their pre-bed routine. So once that alarm goes off, uh, highly encourage them to disconnect from electronics, television, phone, computers, all that stuff. Take, get that out of the equation, start your routine, you know, whatever it's involved you know, with, uh, you know, prepping for bed, brushing your teeth, whatever you do. And then maybe some light reading, you know, uh, maybe some journaling, uh, do a little mind dump because a lot of people take a lot of thoughts to bed with them. If they do a little journal with a mind dump, they can, you know, start with a you know, clean slate going into sleep and creating a situation where that bedtime and that wake time is the same every day. And, so I, yeah. and your so, body will fight it. Your body will fight it, but eventually you'll adapt and get into your rhythms. So I got that down, Joe Curry. My pre-bed routine is popcorn and peanut M&Ms. Uh, moving. Um, you know, you talk about, <laughs> you talk about moving, sweating, um, is it important to sweat? Is it important to get the heart rate up? Is it important to walk? Um, what advice do you give to somebody that maybe just has been sitting around a little bit too much? Um, find something you like to do. Uh, people get caught up in these things. Well, all my friends are doing this, so I'm going to do that. And they may not enjoy it, may not fit their lifestyle in the context of their life. Um, look, if they're doing nothing, any, any, every step counts. Anything that they do, Beyond that is, is a move in the right direction. So looking for opportunities to move. And if you, and I notice that you're great about that. Cause every time I walk by your office, you're, you, I even made a comment the other day, your desk was down. I'm like, I've never seen your desk down. And I walked back three minutes later and it was back up. So you're always on your feet. You're always moving around. And those opportunities around us all day, every day, parking a little further away, moving, uh, walking further, that type of thing, using stairs, if, if it's a possibility, that type of activity is what your body is designed for. It's a designed to be a moving machine. Uh, so, and then your formal exercise, find the things you like to do. Yeah, it's important to get your heart rate up and it's important to get some strength training in here and there, but getting consistent with something, with some type of movement and recognizing opportunities to do that regularly is, is, is incredibly valuable. And they, now the weather's changing, so the opportunities to get outside and everything will be greater. So, yeah, move, walk, uh, all that, that. That's valuable stuff. Mark Hollis is the chief operating officer of Rock Ventures, and he's also the host of JR Sunday with Mark Hollis, which airs every Sunday from 8 to 10 a.m. We'll be back right after these messages. The hugely popular Van Gogh exhibit has now closed at the Detroit Institute of Arts, but I think it's fair to say that this exhibit brought a lot of extra attention to the DIA, and now the beautiful Detroit Museum is celebrating the news that it's been named the best art museum in the United States by USA Today. Julie McFarland, Executive Director of Public Affairs and Community Engagement, Congratulations. You must be so pleased with this honor, this award. Well, thank you, Anne. We are just thrilled to have earned this distinction. It's really a tremendous achievement and is a testament to the dedication and hard work of our staff and volunteers 
and the incredible support we receive from our Tri-County community. So we couldn't be um, happier to have earned this distinction and really share um, the the kudos that it's giving us um, with all of our community. Because, Julie, it was up against a lot of other beautiful museums around this country. Sure. The DIA was one of 20 museums across the United States to be nominated for this award, and it was... um, the, the winner was determined by a popular vote among USA Today readers. And we want to thank the readers of USA Today for their votes, and we hope to welcome to the museum this year. So am I right that this Van Gogh exhibit brought in people who have never been to the museum before? And I mean, we're talking about thousands and thousands of people. Yeah, the Van Gogh exhibition was really an incredible opportunity for the DIA to not only showcase the work that we have here by Vincent Van Gogh, but also to bring in work from all over the world. Um, We were so happy with the response from the local community and also from people all over the world who came to see um, this collection of um, Van Gogh artwork at the museum. We welcomed um, over a quarter of a million people here to the DIA. So. Um, it was it was a tremendous success. And again, you know, all of this is made possible by the incredible support we get from our community, in particular, the residents of Macomb, Oakland and Wayne County through their Tri-County Millage support of the DIA. You know, one of the things that I heard people say who had never been to the DIA before was, wow, I can't believe what a beautiful place it is and how many other exhibits are there all the time. Did you hear something similar like that? Sure. I mean, I think uh, people come to the museum and they aren't necessarily prepared for, you know, what they're going to see here. I know, you know, the, you know, people associate the museum with our iconic Detroit industry, uh, Rivera murals. That's really just the beginning. Um, There's so much in the museum and um, we do so much programming, um, special exhibitions, Um, activities on the weekend. So when you come to the museum, you really never know what you're in for. There's always something new going on. How many different exhibits are in the museum on a regular basis that people can enjoy, Julie McFarland? Well, we have the permanent collection, of course, and we have our, you know, fabulous Detroit industry murals. Um, Right now, we are... um, planning for our James Barner exhibit that's coming um, it's opening at the end of the at the end of May um, this is going to bring um, work by uh, James Barner a Ghanaian photographer um, we're the only U.S. destination for this exhibition and it's being arranged by the Serpentine Gallery in London so you can come to the museum and see the permanent collection, um, but you can also come to the museum and see things um, like the James Barner exhibition from London, um, things that are coming to the United States and are only going to be here at the DIA. In the permanent collection, what are some of your favorites? Just you personally, what do you love about the permanent collection? Um, you know, there's there's so much here. Um, I like to go into areas um you know, that are are different from where I've been before. Of course, we love our Impressionist galleries, but we have a really incredible African collection. Um, So I like to spend time in there. There's um, a specific artist there that I enjoy 
Uh, his name's Alaway of Issei. He's an incredible wood carver. We have three pieces um, of his work in the collection. So I would say to anyone who wants to come to the museum, challenge yourself to go into a gallery that you might not naturally gravitate to. Um, of course, our Detroit industry murals are amazing. I always learn something new when I go into that um, Rivera Court gallery. And we also typically have volunteers in that gallery um, most of the time when the museum is open. So if you go in, you can sort of take it in. If you have a question, if you want someone to give you a 10-minute overview, there's always, almost always someone there to do that for you. So we're always looking for ways to help um, our visitors make connections to art, and our volunteers are really great at doing that. So I would say come to the museum, go to Rivera Court, let our volunteers do their thing. Um, you will walk away knowing something that you didn't know before and hopefully be inspired. If you're coming to the museum for, let's say, a visit, half a day, full day, how long does it really take to get through the entire Detroit Institute of Arts? Well, I don't recommend trying to get through the whole museum in one visit. I think it's um, it's good to take it in bites. Mm -hmm. Um, It depends on how long you like being on your feet. Um, So I would say come to the museum often, come frequently, Um, take it one piece at a time. We do provide free general admission for residents of Macomb, Oakland, and Wayne counties um, as part of our millage agreement. Um, And it it really allows people to be able to come and uh, sample the museum and go home, think about it, come back, bring your kids, bring friends. Anyway, I, I would say it's, uh, it's, it's best taken in bites because it um, the collection is wonderful and it is vast. What are the hours of the museum? We are open Tuesday through Thursday from 9 to 4 o'clock, Fridays from 9 to 9 p.m., and Saturday and Sunday we're open from 10 till 5. Julie McFarland, Executive Director of Public Affairs and Community Engagement. Congratulations again and thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. You are listening to Opportunity Detroit. We'll be back right after this. You are listening to Opportunity Detroit. Noelle Johnston, Director of Tournament Services for the Rocket Mortgage Classic, talks to J.R. Sunday's Mark Hollis about the very important golf and give program. Over the past four years, the Rocket Mortgage Classic provides our community with residents or community and residents with um, with exciting global sport event. It brings visitors in from all over the world to Detroit, high publicity for the happenings that are happening right here at our home, and contributes resources to community partners, having a positive impact on programs like Detroit Pal, uh, Midnight Golf, First Tee, and closing the gap on our city's digital divide. Connected to all of this is Noel Johnson. Uh, the Director of Tournament Services at the Rocket Mortgage Classic. Good morning, Noel. Hi, Mark. How are you? We're doing great. We're doing great. Um, it's getting that time of year where we're starting to think again about the Rocket Mortgage Classic. Uh, Jason Langwell and I uh, are headed down to the players uh, to start recruiting uh, some players to come in here. But you're, you're involved in so many different aspects of the Rocket Mortgage Classic. I, I see you everywhere on the course, not only tournament week, but leading up to it. You have an exciting new program that we're launching there at the Rocket Mortgage Classic called Give or Golf and Give. Describe that to us a little bit. 
Yeah, we're really excited to have launched a brand new fundraising opportunity this week called Golf and Gifts. It's an incredibly easy to use and allows lo local nonprofits to utilize the Rocket Mortgage Classic and the excitement around the tournament to raise, funny, raise money to support their missions. Um, nonprofits will have the ability to sell tickets to the tournament, and each ticket they sell, they'll be able to pocket and take $30 from that ticket sale uh, to help support their cause. How do uh, so, so as nonprofits are out there and they're looking to be part of the Rocket Mortgage Classic, this is a great opportunity, right? It's a tangible thing that they can take um, and put out into their networks and, and retain retain dollars to support the programs that they're doing. How would they go about becoming part of this program? Yeah, absolutely. It's a great new program, and we're really excited to launch it. Um, so as you may know, in the past four years, we've ran a program called Birdies for Charity, which was another fundraising platform. Um, this year, we're replacing Birdies for Charity with Golf and Give. So any nonprofit that participated in our Birdies for Charity program over the last four years has received an invitation from the tournament team um, to register for Golf and Give. So any nonprofit that participated over the last four years and has been involved in the Rocket Mortgage Classic should have received an email from our tournament team inviting them to register. Can, uh, can nonprofits that perhaps haven't been part of the Rocket Mortgage Classic in the past uh, participate in this? Is it something they go on the, the Rocket Mortgage Classic website to get information on? Yeah, so this, since this is a new program for this year, we're going to start with our participating nonprofits from past years to give them that first opportunity, um, work out any kinks in this new program with those partners of ours. Um, so starting next year, we would open the floodgates to any Michigan-based 501c3 nonprofits. Um, so if you're interested in learning more, you can call our tournament office, um, we can get you on a list to get more information for next year. But just for this year, for 2023, it will be open just to returning nonprofit organizations from our Birdies for Charity program. We're talking with uh, Noel Johnston, uh, Director of Tournament Services for the Rocket Mortgage Classic. We had uh, Katrina Kelly on last week and talking about the great work that the volunteers do. Um, I know most folks that are, are closely connected uh, with the Rocket Mortgage Classic, understand what PGA Tour events do all over the country. Um, changing the course is is the, the term that we use, and it really has meaning. Uh, through our first four years, the Rocket Mortgage Classic has contributed um, nearly $7 million to nonprofits, with about $4 million of that going uh, to the tournament's Changing the Course initiative to end the digital divide. As, as someone that's part of the team that puts this event on and, and your close connection and oversight with the volunteers, is that realization there for the folks that are working that, that the things that you are doing really are having a meaningful impact on, on Detroiters every day? Oh, absolutely. I think everybody on site, whether it's our tournament team, our vendors, our volunteers, or even our nonprofit organizations that we're talking about today know that the Rocket Mortgage Classic truly is more than just a golf tournament. We're doing so much more than just bringing 156 of the best PGA Tour players to Detroit. Um, we're providing a really local community impact um, that's not only wrapped up in a super fun event um, that we recommend everybody come join us at the end of the summer. You know, I've had an opportunity to watch watch you work and and others on the on the team there. Um, the tournament lasts four days. The event lasts about a week. We've added the John Shippen event onto the front um, of the Rocket Mortgage Classic. So you take the span of that week and and the amount of hours that you put in just on that week. 
But push that out a little bit. It, it's an annual job. It's work that's being done constantly throughout the year. Um, some of the things that you're doing right now to prepare for the end of June uh, and the Rock and Mortgage Classic, give some of our listeners a, a perspective of, of the breadth of work that you're doing. Yeah, so amongst our tournament services team, um, we just completed hiring and onboarding some of our tournament interns that will come and join our team to help uh, put the tournament together and uh, execute the event in the coming months. Um, We're organizing different things for our player and caddies once they arrive in Detroit, so whether that's hotel room blocks um, or different amenities that we provide to them on site. And then really our biggest project is, is recruiting and organizing the 1,600 or so volunteers that will help put on the event. So creating shift schedules, um, registering them in our system, ordering uniforms, um, all sorts of things that go in kind of behind the scenes that, that make the tournament really come to life in June. What's a favorite part of, of the great work that you do uh, for the city of Detroit for the Rocket Mortgage Classic? What's your favorite favorite part of either the year or tournament week? Oh, gosh. Um, I would say I think my favorite part is definitely standing on 18 green on, on Sunday when our tournament champion is being crowned last year, of course, Tony Finau, which was so exciting. Um, and we're excited to have him back come, and come back to Detroit to defend his title. But I think that culmination of the event on 18 green when all the spectators and fans are watching um, a PJ Tour player's life is changed in that moment being a tour champion. Um, and it's just a really great feeling seeing everyone excited and happy to be there and really see the tournament really wrap up and all our hard work um, come to an end. So, Noel, um, going into this fifth year, uh, what are you excited about? What's what's new? What's something out there that you're excited to uh, to let patrons see as they, as they enter the grounds there at the Detroit Golf Club? You know, not only is, am I excited about our Golf and Give program, which I think is really going to allow more people access to the Rocket Mortgage Classic who may not have been there the first four years. Um, But I'm really excited about our overall fan experience. I think every year, um, especially last year in 2022, um, we really developed a lot of great fun activations and areas for fans to experience on site. So um, if anybody's coming out to Detroit Golf Club this June, I think you'll see a lot of new and exciting things um, on course for fans to enjoy, um, in addition to some of those favorites that you may have had last year. Well, thank you, Noel Johnson, uh, for all that you do throughout the year to uh, to bring this event to Detroit. JR Sunday with Mark Hollis airs every Sunday from 8 to 10 a.m. I'm Ann Thomas. Thanks for listening to Opportunity Detroit, and enjoy the rest of your weekend.